This podcast is brought to you by The City Church in Mississauga, Ontario. For more information, please visit thecitychurch.ca. We hope you are encouraged by this message from our lead pastor, Brent Coulter. All right, we are in week two of a series that we have called SOAP. And this series is all about discipleship, that we are supposed to be disciples. We're not just supposed to be Christians as a noun, waiting to die or waiting for Jesus to return. That Jesus actually called us to be disciples, in other words, learners or growers. And God wants us to be in this constant state of growing, not just getting stagnant, not just sitting still doing nothing, but Jesus wants us to be learners. Now, uh, many years ago, uh, when my daughter, I think she was maybe maybe nine or 10 or something like that. It was, you know, summertime hit. And then I tried to teach her something that to her seemed a little bit like school. And she's, she said, dad, there's one rule of the summer, no learning in the summer. And I feel like a lot of Christians are like that kind of, you know, I, I made Jesus the Lord of my life. Now I'm just waiting for eternity. No more learning, but we are supposed to be learning about life having Jesus as our mentor, that we would be his apprentice, and that we would be learning from the giver of life about life. So SOAP stands for this. We can just throw up that first slide. It stands for this. Scripture, observation, application, and prayer. Now, I didn't come up with this. Somebody else came up with this. A lot of pastors talked about this um, just as a way for us to value our discipleship time. You know, we're here every Sunday moving closer to Jesus, and we spend time as a church family diving into the scripture, learning some things. Um, and, and then we have city groups, the city team for you to be a part of, but also we want your personal scripture reading time to be valuable. And if you don't have personal scripture reading time, let me encourage you, you know, get yourself a paper Bible, or if you're, if you, you know, you want to listen to the scripture, you can also do that on your device. Any device you have, you can download the Version Bible. There's so many different translations on there. Uh, there's devotionals on there. There's Bible reading, uh, things that you can do on there. And then if you like to, if you're an auditory learner, you can also listen to the scripture through your Version app. But let me encourage you, as an individual Christ follower, dive into the scripture. God has life for us. God has growing for us. And so we talked about the idea of scripture last week and what the scripture uh, should mean to us. So if you missed that message, you can go back and catch up with us all online uh, on our website, through a podcast, and then also through our church app. But we want to reverence the scripture. We just don't want to think of our scripture reading in like I'm putting in time. It's almost like jail. You know, I'm putting in my time with the scripture, putting in this 10 minutes. No, we want to value the scripture. We want to honor the scripture in our lives and know that it is God speaking to me. This is how God is speaking to us in our relationship with him. It is through these collection of stories and history and poetry um, that is this wonderful collection that we call the Bible so that we can allow God to be speaking into our lives so that we can grow up into the life that God has for us. John chapter 8, verse 31 says this, Then Jesus said to those Jews which believe on him, If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. So it's a continuous process. It's a continuous growth. And the reason, like I mentioned last week, is that all of us are in a comfort zone. 
We, we, we are at a certain spot in our lives where we, we think a certain way and we act a certain way and we talk a certain way. And then we have certain things from our history, maybe some pain or some, some good things uh, that in our past that has formed us into the person that we are right now. But God wants to move us out of our comfort zones. He wants us to continue in his word, not just a one-time thing, not just a Sunday, not just one day, but he wants to have us to continue in his word because he wants us to grow up. And this is the way our faith life is. Just like we teach children, you know, at a certain grade, two plus two equals four, very simple addition. And then the next year in school, we add certain things and then we add other things. And this is the way our faith is with God, that God wants us to continue to grow in him, move out of our comfort zone, move out of the way that I think right now. Because there's an unrealized you, there's unrealized experiences outside of your comfort zone, and God wants you to move out of those things. God, the, the way you think right now and the way I think right now is not perfectly in line with the Word of God. So God wants us to grow, and the way we act and the way we talk is all not perfectly in line with the Word of God. So God wants us to grow up into the image of Christ. So we want to uh, know what those things are. We want to come to the Word of God with humility. And as I said last week, you know, there's three things that we can, not only three things, but the three things that we're uh, talking about in this series. What do we want the Word of God to do on the inside of us? We want to allow the Word of God to contradict us or correct us or change us or teach us. You know, we, we have to go to those portions of Scripture that maybe we don't like or maybe make us a little bit uncomfortable so that we can understand what God might be speaking to us. And I, and I mentioned last week, you know, one pastor said it like this, you know, we should be reading the Word of God until something hits us, so to speak. And what would that be? Well, that's the Holy Spirit revealing to us something that we need to understand, something we need to change, something we need to incorporate into our lives so that we can move out of our comfort zone. So we have to allow the Word of God to contradict us. See, if we, if we go to the Word of God and nothing ever confronts us, and nothing ever, you know, hits us really hard, surely we've created God in our own image. And that's not what we want to do. We want to move into the image of Christ, not just be recreated over and over again into who I am and how I think right now. God wants us to grow up, and He wants us to change. That the Scripture is the wind in your sails for life. It is your inspiration. And this is what the Word of God can do for us. The Word of God is the thoughts of God, the ways of God, the purposes of God. And God wants to fill your sails of life so that you can be the person who God has created you to be. He wants to inspire you to be a godly single individual here in the church. He wants to inspire you to be a godly husband. He wants to inspire you to be a godly wife, a godly individual. And so this is how we're going to get that inspiration. Well, we're going to get it from the Word of God. He's going to fill our sails with inspiration. And the, also, the thing that we also want to mention is that God wants to equip us for change. And this is what the Word of God will do. That there's no five-year period in your life or, or five, five years coming up that's exactly the same as the previous five years. So God wants you to get ready. God wants you to prepare for what's coming up. Now, if you're, if you're single here in the room and, you know, and you feel like, you know what, I, I, God hasn't called me to a life of singleness. 
If God has called you to a life of singleness, thank God. We praise God with you. But if you're here today and you're single and God hasn't called you to a life of singleness, can I get an amen? Amen. Let's look around. You hear the amens. (laughs) So what do we got to do? What do we got to do? We got to get ready. We got to be equipped for what is coming up. So ladies, you know, go nuts. Have your makeup on point and your lashes and your brows. It's amazing. We love it. But there's more equipment that is necessary for marriage than just a well-manicured situation. You know what I'm talking about. (laughs) Guys, in the room, young single men, the ladies love your biceps. It's great. (laughs) It's wonderful. But there's more to being a good husband than the... Why, why, why am I not getting a girlfriend? There's more than this, my friends. There's some equipment that God wants to add to you to prepare you for what's coming up. So this is true for all of us, though. God wants to equip us for what's coming up in our lives. And like we said last week, any good relationship, somebody is going to call you out once in a while. Anybody that you're close to, somebody's going to call you out and say, hey, the way you think right now is completely wrong. What you're doing, how you're talking, what you're saying, this is the wrong way to be in the world. And this is what this book is all about. How should we be in this world? We should be connected to God, our creator, our Lord and Savior. We, this is how we should live our lives. And then the giver of life knows how we should live our lives. This is what this book is all about. And God wants to add life, the God kind of life, the Zoe life to our lives. Not that we would just exist. Not that we would just breathe air. But we would breathe the life that God has for us and live the life that he has for us beyond our current existing comfort zone. So God wants us to grow up. He wants us to change, and he wants us to let him call us out. So today, we are on to O, which is observation, or observe. In other words, we're going to look at what the Word of God is in our lives. Joshua chapter 1, verse 8 says this, The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do. Now, next next week, we're going to talk about doing or application according to all that is written therein for then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success now all of us want that all of us want to be prosperous or successful as an individual and then in our relationships and then in our careers in our education we want to have good success nobody gets up in the morning and says i want to fail today No, these are the things that we want. These are the desires of our heart. But what does God want us to do? He wants us to meditate on the thoughts of God. The things that come from the mouth of God, that's the things he wants us to think about. Thoughts. There's new thoughts to think beyond the thoughts I think right now. 
So I have to make observation of these things. When, when we go to the Word of God, when we go to the Scripture, once again, I'm not just putting in time. I'm not just doing my religious duty. I want to observe what the Spirit of God is saying to me. I want to observe what these eternal truths are being, uh, what, what's being communicated to me in my life. I have to see it. He wants you to meditate on it day and night that you may observe to do. So we want to do, we want to get to the doing, but we're not going to get to the doing if we don't see what's being said to us or understand what's being said to us. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 11, it says, now these things happened to them as an example, talking about the Old Testament children of Israel, that they were written down for our instruction on whom the end of the ages has come. Therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. So we have a bunch of stories here in the scripture. And so what's great about the stories in the scripture is that there's pe- people did stuff and it was very successful and it went really well and they honored God in their lives. And then there's a bunch of people in the scripture who didn't and they failed miserably. And so what, we're, what we should do is we should look at the people, oh, these are the good choices in life and look at, look at the result of those choices. And then there's a bunch of stories in here and there's a bunch of modern day stories that we can look at too. People just messed up their lives, made a bunch of wrong choices, and we should avoid those things. But what should we do at the end? It said, take heed lest we fall. In other words, pay attention. We're supposed to be observing life. We're not just supposed to be going through life. We're supposed to be observing something about how life should be lived. This is where the thoughts and ideas of God come in. That God is speaking these things to our heart and God wants us to observe what those things are and that he wants us to listen to it because we don't want to fall. We actually want to be prosperous. We want to be successful like Joshua 1.8 said. We want to be successful in all of these areas of life, but what do we have to do? We have to be observant. We have to think about our thoughts. We have to think about our actions. We have to think about the words that we say. And this is what God is wanting us to do. Mark chapter 4, verse 24 says this. And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And still more will be added to you. So we're going to hear something. We're going to observe it. And then he said, once we observe it and put it into practice, what happens? More is coming. More is coming, and this is what God wants us to do. He wants us to move out of our comfort zone. Why? Because he has more for us. But what's the starting place? Well, he wants us to hear something. He wants us to pay attention and know what it is, and then we're going to put it into practice in our lives. We have to see what it is. We have to honor the observation of God's word. But here's the deal. When we go to the Word of God and we observe the Word of God, what are we seeing? Well, we're seeing a pretty high standard. We're, we're, we're seeing this is what God wants for us. And then we observe the Word of God. Then what else are we supposed to observe? Ourselves. Here the Word of God says this, this really high thing, and then I find myself not anywhere near that. See, what's great about the Word of God, the Word of God teaches us there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. So when we go to the Word of God and we see the Word of God says this, and I'm nowhere to be found close to it. 
I'm not being condemned. I'm being inspired to come up. See, God wants us to come up to us to his word. He wants us to be transformed into the image of Christ. So I'm observing the word of God, and then I'm observing myself. I'm looking at it. I'm thinking about it. I'm meditating on it. Here's what the word, here's how God wants me to think. Here's what God is showing me. Here's God's ways. Here's God's purposes for me. And then here's how I think. And then here's how I act. And here's the way I am. But down here, there's no condemnation. He's calling us up. He's not condemning us and saying we're evil and bad and wrong. No, he's calling us up to himself. He's calling us up to the high standard of the word of God. You know, one author said it like this. I was reading his book. He said, you know, for many Christians, Jesus is in their heart, but grandpa is in their bones. In other words, we, we all have a past. We all have all of these things, sometimes from our family of origin, good things and bad things. And we've got the reality of the Holy Spirit on the inside of us, but the ways that we are, the ways that we think, the ways that we talk, a lot of times just missing the mark. They're not coming up to the standard of the Word of God. But thank God we are disciples, right? Thank God we aren't done yet, that we are still moving into the image of Christ. Now, does anyone remember that old song um, in church growing up about we're standing on holy ground? I'm not going to sing it for you, so if you don't know it, you can YouTube it later, all right? But we would sing this song, and then some people would take their feet, their shoes off, not take their feet off, take their shoes off at church, and I'm like, it's getting weird in here, people. Um, sorry, church kid, these things come out once in a while. Um, and so this idea of holy ground, but this, this idea of holy ground comes from a very specific story in the Old Testament. Now, when we think about the word holy, you know, we have the Holy Bible, and then we know God is holy. But then the scripture also says for us that, you know, we should be holy as God is holy. But this word sometimes is, is maybe very blind to us because we think, well, I, you know, God is holy. I, I certainly cannot be holy. But let's listen to a definition of the word holy. Holy, the term holy has primarily to do with God's separating from the world that which he chooses to devote to himself for God's redemptive plan something that's holy, that God wants us to be separated from the world, the ways of the world, the thinking of the world. Why? Because he wants us to be part of his redemptive plan. Now, that doesn't mean all of us have to become preachers or something, but all of us can live out God's redemptive plan in our relationships, in our family, in our homes, in our neighborhood, that God wants us to be set apart from the world, and what is in the world? Well, the world has a very specific way of thinking. The world has a, a very specific way of acting. And young people, if I could just get your attention just for a few seconds, and then you can go back to not listening. Um, <laughs> the way the world is telling you to think right now is going to be gone 10 years from now. And you need to think this way, and you need to talk this way, and you need to have this app, and you need to do this thing, and you need to look this way. And these are the things you're allowed to say, and here's the things you cannot say. 30 years ago, when I was a teenager, we had a whole list of different things. And then 
a long time ago when my dad was a teenager, there was a whole list of other things that culture said, ways that we had to look and act and talk. And then 20 years from now, culture is going to have a whole other way for us to be approved of. And you've got to act like this, and you've got to say this, and you're not allowed to say this. But there are eternal ways to be. From the Word of God, the ways that always are and the ways that always will be. So don't get caught up in the spirit of the time because the spirit of the time is going to change. See, and this is what God wants us to discover. God wants every young person in this room to discover their place in God's redemptive plan. And when we think about the word holiness, you know, we, we would say, you know, hold, there's holy fire. And so when we, when we think about, I have a place in God's redemptive plan, and there's going to be holy fire, what does that term fire mean? Well, that means that, that when I'm placed in God's holy fire, that things will get burned up that don't need to be there. But then the pure thing will remain. The pure purposes of God will remain in our lives. Let's see this here in the story. Exodus chapter 3, verse 1. It says, Now Moses was tending to the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. So here Moses is being responsible. He's doing the things that he should do just like we should do in our lives. But then God is about to call him out of his comfort zone. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire. God showed up in flames of fire. Now, is God showing up in flames of fire because he wants to hurt Moses? Because he's trying to damage him? No, he, he, he's, trying to, he's showing up in flames of fire because there's something as a part of God's redemptive plan that he has for Moses to do shows up in flames of fire. It says, The angel appeared to the Lord in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that the bush was on fire, and it did not burn up. So here's the good news about um, submitting ourselves to the fire of God. That there's fire, but it's not going to burn you up. It's only going to burn up what doesn't need to be there. So here's a fire, but it's not burning up the bush. And God is going to speak from the fire. Have you ever had somebody speak some fiery words to you? Maybe mom and dad when you were growing up and they, they, got, they got fired up about something. They got fired up about your behavior or your attitude why would, why would somebody who loves you get fired up about how you think or you act, by the way you're acting or why you talk that way? Why would they get fired up? Because they want to burn away the thing that is useless, that shouldn't be there, that is temporary, it's from culture. See, God shows up, listen, God shows up and he speaks with fire. And we should actually all desire the fire of God in our lives. 
We, we should all desire, as Jesus, as our Lord and Savior, that we're submitted to him. God, we, we just want you to burn up what doesn't need to be here. Ways of thinking, ways of acting, ways of talking. Why? Because I want to be part of your redemptive plan. So God shows up in the burning bush. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, what was he doing? He was going to look. He was going to observe. He was going to be aware. He had gone over to look. God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. See, see, the bush can burn in our lives, and God could be wanting to speak to us in our lives, and we, we look at it for a second, and then we know God is going to say something to us that might singe some of my ways of thinking, that might burn away some of the ways of thinking that I have from the world, from Grandpa who's in my bones. And we could look and God could be speaking to us and then we could just turn the other way. But what did Moses do? Moses looked and he moved toward God and the scripture says, and then God said. See that Moses was honoring the word of God in his life. He was honoring this thought, you know what, I, I want to hear from the fire what God says to me. And this is the journey of discipleship. And, and, you know, to move out of your comfort zone, how many of you know that's uncomfortable? To yield yourself to the fire feels a little bit uncomfortable. But then the stuff that gets burned away, you're like, oh, I didn't actually need that anyway. I thought I needed that. I thought I needed to talk like that. I thought I needed to have that attitude. I, I thought I needed to live like this. But when then it got burned up from the word of God, I realized that there was something real underneath that, something true underneath that, that a way God wanted me to live, a way God wanted me to think, that he was setting me apart from just the thinking of the world or the thinking of my ancestors or the thinking of my parents. Why? Because he has a part for me to play in his redemptive plan. The fire purifies. How many of you in here today enjoy people watching? It's one of my favorite pastimes. You know, when you go to the mall and, you know, and your kids are older and there's no strollers, you can, you know, they're shopping somewhere in the mall. I don't know where they're at. And then I'm sitting with, you know, a Starbucks, find a bench, and I'm going to people watch. Go to the airport. You got time to kill before your plane boards. What are we going to do? We're going to people watch. And then what happens? You know, we're sitting there at our gate, and then a family walks up, and they've been in an argument. And you watch this family, and what you are doing is you are deciphering what is wrong with this marriage. <laughs> they walk up, and she says something mean to him, and you're thinking, oh, there it is right there, people. This is the problem in this marriage. She's the problem. <laughs> and then some other family walks up, you know, and he's just like a jerk and he's overbearing. And you're like, there's the problem there in that family. And we're in the mall. Your kids are grown. You've forgotten that your kids had tantrums. You see somebody. 
with a tantrum. You're like, my kids would never do that. <laughs> what do we do when we people watch? At some point, as we people watch, we are saying, I am better than you. And it's just so much more fun to look at other people through binoculars, right? We just like to look at other people, and then we get super close to their skin. Through the binoculars, we can find all of the imperfections. See, and this is what God doesn't want us to do when we come to the Scripture. He wants us to observe what He's saying, but then He wants us to observe ourselves. James chapter 1, verse 23 says this, For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. So the Word of God is not binoculars to find out what's wrong with other people. The Word of God is a mirror so that I would see myself. And looking at all of you today, you all believe in mirrors because you're all looking good today. You know, you got up and you walked. One of the first things you did, hopefully, you went to the bathroom and what did you do? You looked in the mirror and there was some version of groaning happening. You're like, oh. And you needed to adjust something or brush something or, or clean something, right? So we went to the mirror. And this is what the Word of God is in our lives, that we would observe something about the Word of God and then about who we are. For he who looks at himself and goes away and once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, not, and being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing, and that's what we all want. We want to be blessed in our doing. But what is the Word of God, the mirror that we hold up to ourselves? What is it? It is the perfect law of liberty. It's the law of freedom, setting me free of grandpa who's in my bones, setting me free of what culture says and how I have to act and how I have to talk and how I have to be according to the spirit of the age, which 10 years from now will be completely different. No, God has freedom for us. He wants to burn away the chaff. He wants to burn away the wasteful things in our lives. Why? Because he has so much more for us. Listen, God has more life for you than you could ever imagine. He doesn't have more religion for you. He doesn't have more anger for you. He's got love for you and he's got life. He's got life that he wants you to discover and understand. So we go to the Word of God, and we allow it to be our mirror. Always, oh, this is how we should be. This is the eternal truth of the Word of God, not the temporary nature of the culture that we live in. Oh, this is how we should be in the world. And I observe the Word of God, and then I observe myself. And then what are we going to do, man? We're going to put these things into practice in our lives. And that we will experience the blessing of God as we let those things be burnt away in our lives. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 says this, that we walk 
in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. Thank God we have the Spirit of God on the inside of us. That we are not journeying in life on our own. And we don't go to the Word of God and think, oh, the standard is too high. How am I going to get there? No, you have divine help. You have the helper on the inside of you. That's who the Holy Spirit is. He is paraclete. The Greek word means helper. God wants to help you. Why? Because they're strongholds. What are strongholds? Strongholds is like habits. Things that have got a hold of you. See, unless we think about what we're thinking about, we won't know what those strongholds are. Why? This is, I'm going to do this, and this is how I act, and this is what I do, and this is how, how generous or not generous I am, and this is how much I love people or not love people. We actually have to think about what, what are the strongholds, what are the negative strongholds in my life? What are the negative habits in my life? See, experts will tell us that it's, it's better to create new good habits than try to stop an old one, and that's what AA is all about. If you ever see, if you ever gone to an AA graduation, I recommend it to you. Alcoholics Anonymous. If you've never been to one, it's one of the best church services you'll ever go to. And the 12-step program, which is biblically based, is all about creating new good habits. And where are we going to get new good habits? Well, we're going to have to go to the Word of God and then observe something. Create habits of love and generosity and kindness based on the Word of God. God has new things for us. He has new life for us to live. So God wants us to get rid of our old habits, and he has new habits for us to live. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. Being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. Look at what is before your eyes. I'm going to bring every thought into captivity. I'm not just going to let thoughts run in my mind. Is this thought worth thinking? What is the end result of the thought that I'm thinking? I have to observe, I have to be observant. Observe the Word of God, but I also have to observe myself. What am I looking at? What am I thinking about? Because thoughts lead us somewhere, right? The source of all that we do and say comes from thoughts. Isn't that true? Some of them are subconscious. Some of them come from grandpa. Some of them come from culture. And what, but ultimately, what do we want? We want the ways of God to dominate us. Because that's life, and it's life more abundantly. That's why Jesus came. So we'd experience the life that God has for us. Mark chapter 4, we're almost done. Mark chapter 4, verse 13. Jesus gave a parable about sowing seeds in different type of ground. And the disciples came to him and said, Jesus, we don't understand it. We don't get it. So Jesus is going to explain this parable to them. In verse 13, he said to them, you don't understand this parable. How then will you understand all parables? The sower sows the word. 
And these are the ones along the path where the word is sown, and when they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. So this has been true of all of us at some point in our lives. Sometimes the word of God comes our, comes our way, and there is no good soil in there at all. We reject it completely. We say no. We don't let God to contradict us. We're, you know, we're just doing our own thing. Don't tell me how to think, preacher man. I get it. And then it just immediately, no, there's, there's no, and, and then the enemy comes, and then the seed actually has no effect, even though it is eternal, and even though it's true, and even though there's power to live by from the word of God, that there was no ground there was no good soil for the seed to find root. There was no humility. There was no, I'm ready to change. There was no, God burned this out of me. Verse 16, and these are the ones sown on rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy, excited about this. And then they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then, when tribulation or persecution arises on the account of the word, immediately they fall away. I'm excited about, yes, this is a good thought. And then something negative happens to them, and then we cast it all aside. We've all done this. Heard something, we got it for a second, and then something came our way. And then we walked away from the word of God. Verse 18, and others are the ones who sown among thorns, those that hear the word of God, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and desire for other things enter in and choke the word and it proves unfruitful. We've all been this. We hear the word of God, the thoughts of God, the ways of God. And then just cares come in. Desire for other things. You know, God, God, I want what you say, but I also want this. I also want what the world is offering to me. And what happens? It just come in, comes in and just chokes it out of our lives. But this last part, this description of soil is the return that we want. But those who were sown on the good soil, verse 20, are the ones who hear the word of God, accept it, and bear fruit 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. And that's how we want the blessings of God in our lives. But what does the hear the word and accept it mean? It means I got to humble myself. I got to let the stuff be burnt up that God wants to burn out of my life. He's not burning me up. He's burning the stuff up that shouldn't be there. The bush didn't get burned up, but there was still fire. God, I, God, I, our, our desire should be, God, I want to be humble for your ways and your thoughts and your purposes for me. I want to be a part of your redemptive plan today. I, I want 30, 60, and 100 fold in the areas of my life that, that you are speaking to me. I want to observe what your will is, what your word says. Last thing, Mark chapter 4, same chapter, verse 26. And he said to them, the kingdom of God is if a man should scatter seed on the ground 
He sleeps and rises day and night, and the seed sprouts and he grows, and he knows not how. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. When the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle, because the harvest has come. All thoughts produce a harvest. And what we want is a harvest from the Word of God. And how is it going to be? Well, it's going to be a seed, and then it's going to grow, and then it's going to grow a little bit more, and then it's going to grow a little bit more, and then there's going to be a harvest, which means that all of us are in process in many areas of our lives. Some areas of life, man, we're ready to harvest, that the Word has taken hold in our lives, and it's shown up in blessing, and man, there's a harvest there. But there's other areas of our lives where we've just planted the seed now. All of us are in process. Don't give up on the discipleship process. It produces, it is a law of the world that we live in. And he's giving us a physical, hey, would you plant a seed in the ground? This is what happens, right? The world also operates this way with thoughts. Plant a seed, it produces something. What should we want to do? God, I want the seed of your word because I want the harvest that you have for me. Aren't you thankful for the word of God this morning? Amen. Thank you for your support. If you want to connect with us, you can find us online at thecitychurch.ca. 